He kākanoa hau i ruia mai i Rangiātea. I am a seed from Rangiātea and I will never be lost. E nai iwi o te motu, tēnei te mihi ki a tātou katoa, nau mai ki tēnei hōtaka a te ahikā, ko marae a rakuraku a hau. Ko Justin Murray a hau e mihi nei ki a koutou katoa e whakarongo mai ana. Welcome to Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. This week we're looking at the marine and coastal area Moana Takutai Bill, the successor to the 2004 foreshore and seabed act, and how some iwi and commentators feel about it. We're going back to 2004 to remember when the foreshore and seabed bill was passed into legislation. We'll also hear a Māori legal perspective from law lecturer and legal blogger Carwin Jones. Then we're off to coastal iwi whanua Apanui to hear the criticisms of lawyer Dale Takitamu directed at the Māori Party and what she sees as their silence as her ancestral lands and seas are open to drilling and mining. Before Hone Harawera, Māori Party member for Te Taitokerau is in the house. Remember this? At last, our people have woken up. Instead of just sitting and arguing and talking and fighting about it, get up and be counted. Do something. There was a hikoi ki paremata in 2004 when Māori and Pākehā and their thousands mai te hiku o te ika ki Rakiura put on their warm clothes and braved the cold weather to walk in some cases for days to Wellington. Spectrum producer Jack Perkins was there in the midst of all the action recording up a storm when the different rōpū hit the capital. Banner, you're having a bit of trouble controlling it in the wind. Yes, they are, aren't they? This is from our farm in um, Tikawiti, and it's uh, it's uh, it's the scrim we use for docking our lands, and we, we cut it up, and we haven't told Dad yet. Dad's oh. back in Tikawiti, and he'll find out when we when we dock that we've used our docking scrim. And now it's a banner. Yes, 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 it is. A Maniapoto. Yes, it is. Thank you. All the way, all the way from Maniapoto. The noise of the banners flapping is almost. Yes. As loud as the music, oh, isn't it? It's absolutely. There's banners everywhere. <laughs> uh, banners of the, uh, of the Declaration of Independence and the Mana Motuhake people and, ah, oh, yeah, Kamato people. Those people that have carried the banners for many years. Uh, this is a Pūtātara. This is a very traditional um, Māori and Polynesian um, wind instrument. It's an awakening call. It um, lets people know, like in the old days, they used to um, blow these to know that there was a war party coming along. It's just to let the people know that there's something up.
Tauri we tautoko tangata whenua. Yep, that's really important that um, Pākehā and Tauri were acknowledged as their issue too. I was there that day, having travelled from my home in the Bay of Plenty with my cousins and whanaunga from Te Waimana, I joined the crowd gathering in the city. Taking the moniker Our Place literally, everyone met at Te Papatongarewa to start the walk through the streets to Parliament. Word went round that a crew from Ngāti Kahungunu were stuck in motorway traffic. Then we heard Naita who were coming across on the ferries, which wasn't entirely true. They actually arrived not long after we heard that, actually. As you can imagine, Kōrero was spinning left, right and centre, contributing to the clouds gathering in the distance and the excitement fizzing in the air. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we were actually waiting for Kōrero. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was um, polishing off some uh, sausage rolls. That's or something right, like I think so, yes. Yeah, I think Bellamy's. Yeah, yeah Bellamy's. Getting prepped. Yeah. No, Parikura was at Bellamy's. I saw him as we came around the corner. <laughs> okay, so, I, well, my so, thoughts so are that somebody's gone and hijacked it, and they've got to tell those Taranaki people to get off the microphones and start talking to the politicians. They've hijacked the people are getting hoha and they're going to go. I personally think that they should have um, put some portaloos out here, possibly 20 or 30. Well, I'm busting for a mimi. <laughs> More importantly, here's the funny puppy. <laughs> and that was before the hikoi had even started. This is what I remember. Three things. All the different flags flying, representing iwi and hapu from around the country. The different ages of Māori and Pākehā gathered, and the feeling of solidarity. And then this. Frustration as the minutes stretched into hours and we weren't moving anywhere. And thinking, what are we waiting for? What I didn't know was that the hikoi had already started, but there were just so many people that our section in the middle hadn't even started to walk. Oh, the dinner we must. Yes, Wellington weather and being bare to the bare yes. to the waist doesn't uh, doesn't go hand go in hand. <laughs> well, although you know, our tupuna used to live here, so <laughs> um, I'm actually looking for my wife. She's got my clothes, so we haven't looked. She's got my my kids and my clothes, so that's all right. Keeping moving, keeping warm. I was on the 1975 that came to Parliament for our land. To me, that the, the atmosphere today as compared to the time with Fina is, is a completely different generation altogether. It was more sacred the first time, so much more ancestral wairua feeling. This is more a, a kind of a young a nation that's coming forward of young Māori people, and I'm loving it. Yeah, uh, the difference. From Te Papa up Taranaki Street. 
turning right into Ghazni, the throng holding flags, breaking off into haka, bursting into song, or walking along silently. The streets were surprisingly empty, having been sectioned off by the many, many police as we made our way to the beehive. I feel really ashamed in a way to be a Pākehā. I really thought Helen Clark was, um, was supporting the things that I thought were most important for our children in our mukapuna. I have a Māori grandson and my husband's Māori and two of my children are... Chiki chiki. I'll be back home there, probably moving stock around the, the paddocks and that, for grazing. But I believe in the kaupapa, and that's why I've come down. Everybody firmly and passionately believes that we're being ripped off. Uh, our customary rights being extinguished by the Crown as a rip-off and uh, we object and we will continue to object. And that's why we brought our children along because we want them to continue to object long after we're gone and we'll never stop objecting. And what I like is the kids being here, so the HEC, oh. what's actually occurring, and they're part of something that's real crucial to them, no, for exactly, their future. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Because yeah. then they can actually talk about it too. Because no. I was talking about the, the last night in March, eh? Yep. Just a, tamo, oh. eh? In bare feet. I was 14 when that happened. <laughs> Come down to Wellington, so nothing's really changed. No. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all positive. It's all positive. Where have you come from? Are you from Wellington? I'm from Gisborne. You're from Gisborne? Oh, kia ora. Kia ora. So you come with your kui and your nanny? Uh, just my dad and my mum. Just your dad and your mum? And what's your iwi? What's your iwi? Wunga whakasa and Ngāti Pirao. What's your iwi? Ngāti Roa Hine Rangi. It's Māori ora, Māori ora. Manai kahara mai ki tahau, eh? So what led to thousands marching on Parliament that day? In a nutshell, eight iwi at the top of the South Island, Ngāti Apa, Ngāti Kuata, Ngāti Kuia, Ngāti Rārua, Ngāti Tama, Ngāti Tua and Rangitane were appealing a decision asserting crown ownership of the foreshore and seabed. When the eight iwi went to the Court of Appeal, the decision reached favoured the iwi. One, the claim could proceed to the Māori Land Court for consideration, and two, Māori customary title had never been legally extinguished. What then followed was a decision by the then Labour-led government not to allow those iwi to proceed to court, and instead to pass legislation affirming their belief that ownership lay with the Crown. You can find links to the 2004 Act and the current bill at radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika and other things including a link to the blog of law lecturer Carwin Jones, who we'll hear from in a moment. But first, here's a taste of the day that the Foreshore and Seabed Act came into being. Parliament has passed the most controversial piece of legislation of the Labour-led government. Just a short time ago, the Foreshore and Seabed Bill passed by 66 votes to 53, with the government supported by New Zealand First. 
It comes 18 months after the... So this is an issue which has challenged our sense of nationhood and our ability to encompass all the interests in our country. There's been a true test in this House of where parties stand in terms of New Zealand's national interest and our ability to cohere as a nation. Superficially, we have ownership of the seabed and foreshore by all New Zealanders. And if this was the reality, Mr Speaker, the National Party would be supporting this bill. But it is not the reality. Crown ownership is so heavily qualified as to be meaningless. After this Christmas, every rational say New Zealander will say, well, what was that all about? And thank God they've got New Zealand first in this country. Because come Christmas, paradise would have been restored. This parliament is at a pivotal moment in our nation's history to return to our paternalistic past or take the path of justice and peace. And we are about to blow it. And I unashamedly stand here today and I'll go down in history being part of this and knowing the burden of some of my father who even disagree with me at this stage that we have made the right choice. When I was a child, children used, other children used to say, what's mine is my own. And now what Māori children will say is what was mine is everybody's. Tariana Turia broke with the Labour Party as a result of the legislation and became an independent MP, formed the Māori Party, which in the 2005 election won four of the seven Māori electorate seats. We're now in 2010. At the 2008 election, the Māori Party entered into a coalition agreement with the National Party, where the Foreshore and Seabed Act was offered up as a bargaining chip. That then led to a ministerial review of the Act last year. Hui were held around the country, submissions collected, a report written and recommendations made. Then followed an announcement the Act would be repealed and replaced by the Marine and Coastal Area Takutaimuana Bill. That pretty much brings us to now. Marrying his interest in the legal system and kaupapa Māori, law lecturer Carwin Jones has been following all of this very closely and then posting about it online at his blog, Tiahikarua. So the, the, the coastal marine area, Takutai Moana Bill, uh, is designed to it will re- repeal the Foreshore and Seabed Act and it will replace the regime that was set out in that Act with uh, another regime for setting out Māori customary interests uh, in what we've come used to referring to the foreshore and seabed and is, will now be referred to as the common marine area. Before we get into the intricacies of it, in a blog entry that you mm. had on your blog, you actually said this, that the general direction of that act is being maintained by the marine and coastal area Takutai Moana Bill. The direction of the foreshore and seabed act, which I think was to treat Māori interests in the foreshore and seabed uh, as lesser interests than other forms of title. Uh, that direction, I think, is, is still quite present. And, and um, you know, Moana Jackson has, has written uh, uh, another one of his, his pamphlets about identifying the discriminatory aspects of this, this new bill um, as being maintained from the old one. So, I mean, I think... There are some important symbolic changes in the 
coastal marine area bill. Some of the symbolic changes, for instance, uh, is, is the most obvious one perhaps being the shift away from uh, Forster and Seabed being vested in the Crown to this idea of a common space, of what they had talked about as a kind of public domain area. Now, I think that's, that's a largely symbolic change because you'll see that the Crown is still maintaining management um, rights over the Forster and Seabed Act, maintaining a lot of the, the same regulation that it would have had as an owner. So in many instances, that won't change much in practice. I think it's an important symbolic change because at least now the legislation doesn't look so much like a ropatu, you know, that it, it doesn't look like the Crown taking uh, the Forster and Seabed. Um, and, and that is important um, that, that for to recognise that it's not okay in the 21st century for the Crown to be taking Māori uh, property rights for itself. Um, now, why I say it's symbolic is because Māori property rights are still being taken away from Māori, um, and they're now, at least the language is, is, is changed to reflect that it's more a common space. Um, so you, at the moment what you're doing is you're comparing either the Act with the other? Yeah. Because I guess uh, one of the main um, issues that led to the hikoi, mm. which then led to the establishment of the Māori Party, mm. was that it took away Māori right to go to court. Right, yes. And and, and this is perhaps one of the um, the changes of, of substance that, that's in the legislation and the new bill, is that uh, the Forshaw and Seabed Act did remove the right of Māori to go to court to test whether they held this customary title. Uh, You could still go to court uh, and the court could declare that but for the Forsher and Seabed Act you would have had customary title. Um, But that's... You're not getting very much out of going to court if you're just getting that kind of declaration and you're not actually having any means of recognising the, the kind of rights you would have had under customary title if the Forsher and Seabed Act hadn't been passed. What the coastal marine area does, it, is, it introduces this idea of uh, coastal marine title uh, and does restore the right of, of Māori to go to the High Court to um, prove this uh, form of title exists. But it is important to note that this new coastal marine title isn't the same as the kind of common law customary title that was that would have been available after the Ngāti Apa decision before the Forshaw and Seabed Act was passed. So it's important to recognise that this, the new customary title uh, is, a, is a creation of the statute. It's not the same as the kind of customary title that uh, might be available in, in other common law countries like Canada, for instance. Um, it's a different form of title to that. So, just in summary, mm. it's not restoring anything that was actually lost after the Nasiapa case, which is what led to the Foreshore and Seabed Act. 
it, rest- it restores something which is a bit closer that doesn't restore those common law rights of, of Aboriginal title. That the, the most, I guess, the most important qualifier on it is that uh, under common law Aboriginal title, certainly the way it's developed in Canada, is that there's the potential for those customary interests to be recognised as freehold title, uh, which uh, perhaps a qualified freehold title, but um, that's something that's not available under under the coastal marine area. There are different sources of law that are uh, involved here and that are interacting. And so, first of all, there's the, the common law, uh, which comes from our... Um, our kind of colonial heritage, if you like, um, was imported uh, from the British system and is, is a, a system of law which develops through the courts. So there's the, the idea of, of a decision setting a precedent which then contributes to that body of law and the law is built up um, by different decisions uh, in that way. There's another, the other key source of law that the New Zealand state legal system has uh, is legislation, and so that's the type of law that's passed by Parliament, uh, and that's what we see, what we saw in the Forster and Seabed Act, what we see now in this new bill. Um, so the Ngāti Apa decision had recognised the potential of Māori customary interests under these common law rights may have been available. Uh, and uh, the the new legislation is, is, is now setting a different test, so a legislative test. The, the, the government, uh, in, when they passed the Forshaw and Seabed Act, had argued, well, said that what they were trying to do was to codify or to put into legislation the customary interests that would have been available through the common law, through the courts. Uh, but but they actually, uh, when they looked at how the common law had developed in Canada and Australia around customary interests, they actually took the kind of most restrictive aspects or, or some of the most problematic aspects of, of those uh, forms of title that had developed in those jurisdictions. So so we ended up with the Forster and Seabed Act being a very restrictive piece of legislation, uh, probably more restrictive than either uh, the Canadian courts or the Australian courts had had found. And so the, the Coastal Marine Area Bill, it makes those... Uh, it makes the legislation less restrictive. It, it lowers the threshold a bit. Uh, it removes some of the most problematic aspects, but it still seems to me to be based on the idea that uh, Maori interests are something which uh, which are lesser than other rights in the Forshaw and Seabed. One of the thing, one of the things I never that never really seemed to make sense to me in the Forshaw and Seabed issue was if the Forshaw and Seabed was such an important piece of, uh, such an important area to the public of New Zealand at large that 
the Crown had to own it or that it had to be a public space. Um, I, I didn't really understand why that didn't apply to uh, interests other than Māori customary interests, so that private titles still remain and are recognised, whereas Māori customary title is taken away, or the potential to have that title recognised is taken away. So it's still a very discriminatory piece of legislation, uh, and that's something that some of the the international bodies that have have looked at the Forcher and Seabed Act have found to be problematic. So um, the Special Rapporteur on Indigenous People's Rights uh, and the UN um, uh, human rights bodies who have looked at this issue have been very concerned that this is something which only affects Māori property rights. Kia ora, Carwin Jones, no Ngāti Kahungaru. Links to his blog are at our website, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. One of the outcomes of the 2004 Hikoi Mata was the creation of the Māori Political Party. Earlier we heard an archival recording from Tariana Turia, one of its now co-leaders, the day the Act came into being. What about now, 2010? Well, we tried, but no joy. And even finding a Māori voice who will support of the current bill, again, no joy. We did get Māori Party MP for Te Taitokero, Hone Harawera. Hone, um, it's clear that you um, are not in support of the Marine and Coastal Area Bill. Could you please explain why? Um, it's really a, a very simple one, and it's because the Minister himself has stated quite clearly that Māori will need to prove exclusive and understood position of the foreshore and seabed from 1840 without substantial interruption and according to Tikama. Now, when you line up which pieces of land haven't been taken by the government, uh, haven't been taken by local bodies, haven't been allowed to be on-sold privately in breach of the Treaty of Waitangi, you're going to find it very, very difficult for 98% of Māori, according to the research that we've had done, to actually be able to prove uh, their ability to win a case in court. So if, what that means is, yes, the foreshore and seabed bill will be repealed. Yes, the right to court will be restored. But it's kind of like you get back to the court and go, yay, our day in court. But you open the door, and the same brick wall that had been built there in 2004 is still there. And the only way through that brick wall is a tiny little hole up the top. That's how it is under this bill. That's how it was under the last bill. I see no reason why, therefore, I should be supporting this bill. So, Hone, is there any upside to this legislation? Um... In that, it, it, it actually achieves the two things that we asked for. Repeal the Foster and Seabed Bill of 2004 and restore the right to go back to court. It does both of those things, but, you know, morally, there's no justification for imposing the same restrictive measures uh, upon Māori that, that were imposed in 2004. Government, for example, had the right 
to be bold, to be visionary, and to be courageous in the recognition of Māori title, but they chose not to. The line I use most, and that I still use today, is that when he was questioned on Aboriginal land rights some five years ago, I think, maybe maybe less, three or four, three years ago, perhaps, Kevin Rudd said to the to the <coughs> to the reporter, "You know, um, if the whole world knows that Aboriginal people were here first, then how come they have to go to court to prove it?" And I said back then, "I go, wow, he gets it." And that's exactly the argument we have in this situation here. If the whole world knows that Māori were here first, how come we have to go to court to prove it? What's that all about? Because we were denied legal aid in 2004, and we are still denied legal aid in 2010. Now, that was one of the things. Like, I mean, <clears throat> I could leap through this phone and, and, and throttle you to death and get charged with murder, I get legal aid. You know what I mean? Aye. Yes, I know what you mean, honey. Right. But but um, the government can take away all of my rights to my foreshore and seabed, and I have to go back to court to try and get them back. I can't get legal aid. And you know, there's something seriously wrong in society when the people's basic rights to their land are denied uh, access to justice by denial of legal aid and by denial of equal opportunity before the court. Kia ora hone, kia ora motena. So, when the Māori Party first launched, I mean, we have the images of the 2004 hikwe to Parliament. The goal of the Māori Party was to indeed repeal the foreshore and uh, foreshore and seabed bill. So, effectively, the work of the Māori Party was done. Yes, that's true. Um, but does that mean I should vote for this piece of legislation? Hell no. Hell no. I mean, I want more than what we were denied in 2004. I want us to have the right so that the title is in our hands. I mean, I'm not saying that, that the Crown shouldn't be able to take us to court. If the Crown wants to take us to court, let them. You know, put the title in Māori hands, and where the Crown feels it has a case... Let the Crown take us to court. They've got the resources to do it. Let these private developers who think that they have a case, let them take us to court. They've got the money. Māori people don't. And the limited funds we do have, yeah, we certainly don't want to be blowing in, in court cases. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a very moral argument for why somebody should be continuing to oppose this piece of legislation, also because I know in my heart that wherever I travel in the Taito, not just in the Taito, but throughout the motu, people are saying to me, good on you, honey. Good on you for standing up for this. A lot of people understand why the party had to because of its election manifesto, but they also wanted to be seen that somebody from their party is standing up for the rights that they still believe have not been returned to them. That's our right to the foreshore seabed. That's Māori title. That was our expectation in the lead-up to this. It's been denied us. And somebody needs to stand up and speak against it. Now, look at Labour. Um, they're not saying boo about it. They're not making a big fuss about it because they just want it to go away. 
You know what I mean? So nobody, because the Labour hierarchy has made a decision that they're not going to say boo, all of the Māori MPs aren't going to say boo about it. Just like in 2004, when they said, we're going to take it, all, and all of you Māoris are going to have to keep quiet about it, they all did, except Tariana, of course, the only one who had the courage of her convictions to walk. So we're in a similar situation here, except I'm more fortunate in that I'm a member of a party that uh, recognises difference and tries to celebrate um, the different aspects that we can each bring to, uh, to a debate. And I think you know from talking to people that not everybody's happy with this bill. And that being the case, at least one of us needs to signal that dissatisfaction in the House. I've done so by voting against this bill at first reading and will continue to do so in future readings uh, unless that basic thing of Māori title is returned to Māori. So, Huni, you did... You did briefly mention your, your party, Māori Party, yep. you are effectively going against them? What's the dynamics within the party uh, today? No, 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 I'm not going against my party at all. Um, I'm acting consistent with the principles that I believe uh, were part and parcel of our drive, Māori title, public access, and no sale. Now, I note the, the minister, good minister, Crispin Lason, is, is comfortably trumpeting the fact that he went on a tour around all of Iwi, and he did, did quite a good job, and that Māori said, we don't want to sell it, and so they put no sale in the bill. And Māori said, we're happy to have public access, and so they put public access in the bill. But the thing he never talks about is that at every single hui he went to, if there was one issue that Māori asked him for, it was Māori title. Now, they, didn't, they don't want it generically Māori, they want it specific to whānau, to hapu, or to iwi, regardless of where it might be. And I'm okay with it, but it's essentially Māori title. So he took off from the three, he took the two things that he knew the Pākehā constituency would buy, and he, he denied the only one that Māori really, really wanted. That's wrong. So my argument is cons- and my vote is consistent with the expectation that I didn't uh, go out to promote the basis of this legislation is only being public access and no sale. I promoted the three-pronged thing, Māori title, public access and no sale. And it's immoral, in my view, of this government or any government to take the second two but not the first one. Honey, I'd like to uh, end our corridor on um, a quote that you said in the media recently. I think it was at Auckland University uh, Marae. You said that you're an activist first and a politician second, and you stand by that. Yeah, it, it took me a while to come to terms with that. Um, you know, after I got into Parliament, you know, brand new suit, brand new shoes, uh, you know, flash office, all that kind of stuff. But as, as things moved along, as issues came up, I realised that my, my, my thinking was very much driven by my history, and my history is as an activist. And the thing about being an activist is when you put yourself on the line, your freedom on the line, and sometimes your, your, your safety and sometimes even your life on the line, you have to challenge yourself to really understand issues at a very deep perspective. And so I've done that in consultation with all sorts of people. And um, I find that those things 
that I learned as an activist to stay me in great stead as a politician. And that, in fact, if there's one thing um, that matters to me more than, than the, all this other stuff and, as, as a politician is to be remembered as a person who does his best to stay true to his principles. Because come the day I'm no longer in Parliament, the person I'm still going to wake up with the next day is going to be myself. You know what I mean? I've got to be able to get up and look in the mirror and say, that's the man who went into Parliament, that's the man who was in Parliament, this is the man who's come out of Parliament, it's the same guy. And those things are important, those principles of Ramatiratanga, those principles um, must be sound and must be solid at all times. Strategically, you can, you can act differently, tactically you can act differently, but those principles should never, ever be jeopardised something I learned as an activist and I treasure those things more important more importantly than being a politician. So what do you do when from the sidelines you don't agree with what a political party is doing? Well, in the case of Dale Takitimu, you write a letter and release it publicly. So I'm Dale Takitimu. Um, I'm from the Tairawa City, so I uh, come from both Ngātikoro and Te Whanauapuni. And uh, I work as negotiator for Te Whanauapuni in terms of foreshore and seabed and treaty issues. The letter that I wrote to the Māori Party and sent to um, the politicians in the Māori Party, the members of Parliament, was written on the 2nd of September this year. and says, Dear Māori Party, the unilateral opening up of our ancestral lands and seas to drilling and mining by this government is the most significant threat to the survival of our peoples and our way of life we have experienced in this generation. Whilst the foreshore and seabed issue, which essentially conceived the Māori Party, was essentially about conceptual ownership of the coastal marine space, the granting of permits and exclusive prospecting licences is a real and tangible threat to the livelihood of our people throughout the country. For those iwi that want drilling and prospecting, Keitapai, that's their decision. For those of us who do not, and who are concerned about the environmental impacts of these activities on our tribal territories, who are concerned about our mukupuna and the crazy risks the government are taking with our whenua and moana, and illegal because they unjustifiably breached the Treaty of Waitangi, we have a long, hard political fight ahead of us. We are trying to get information flowing between iwi, trying to lobby politically, trying to get accurate information into the public domain and trying to throw everything we can at the government in terms of legal and civil action. It's a hard fight, but we have an obligation to our mokopuna to do it because these activities are so far removed from our worldview. They are dangerous and they are about exploitation beyond our means and beyond the means of future generations. The big question is, in light of the struggle, where are the Māori Party? Why haven't we heard from you? Why are you silent at a time that Māoridom needs you most? In the corridors in Wellington, why can't we hear you advocating for us? Why can't we see you in the media? Where are you? What do we need to do to be on your radar? Is being Māori and being a treaty partner with an issue not enough? 
apart from one media message on the 3rd of June 2010 by Ururoa and attendance at our Taumata Kōrero in Auckland by Hone in August, we have heard nothing from the Māori Party. Where are you? Major submissions were due today. This was when the letter was written on the 2nd of September. Major submissions were due today on the draft energy strategy, which proposes more drilling and more mining. We pushed and pushed our populations to make submissions, and we had to rely on mainstream organisations to help us with analysis and templates. Where were you? Whānau order is choice. But when, what about the well-being of our mokopuna when their whenua is too barren to grow kai, when their moana is so polluted they can't get a coda, when their ancestral whenua has been raped and plundered so much their whānau has no oranga? What then? What do you need from us to step up to this issue and make some noise on our behalf? We can hear the Greens loud and clear, but we can't hear you. Uh, ko te inoi atu ki a koutou, me kaua koutou e noho wahungu i rungi tēnei kaupapa, he whakahirahira rawa atu tēnei ki a tātou. And just signed off myself in my personal capacity um, and sent off to the Māori Party just basically to ask them, where are you? Now, Dale Taikitimu, by writing and publicly releasing that letter on the 2nd of September, I mean, haven't you effectively alienated yourself from the sole Māori party in Parliament? Um, well, I'm not sure about that. That was the purpose of the letter, was to, to put that to the test, and it certainly wasn't intended to alienate anybody, um, least of all ourselves or the Māori party uh, from their constituents even. Um, it was really um, written from a point of concern as a voter, um, and as somebody who had put quite a lot of faith and hope in the Māori Party in terms of being our voice inside these forums. Um, and, you know, we don't win them all politically, and we don't win all the battles we go into, but we certainly expect there to be some noise and there to be some people advocating and agitating on our behalf. And quite simply, when we'd done the big run-up to putting in submissions about the draft energy strategy. There was a whole lot of people doing a lot of work and the five o'clock deadline came and went. And at that point, I kind of thought, isn't this why we had the Māori Party? Wasn't this one of the reasons, you know, one of the tucky we would expect them to pick up and run with? And we're out here almost like, you know, a collection of individuals and, and individual iwi, but we really expected to hear something more and that was brought home on that five o'clock deadline because we sort of felt a little bit out in the wilderness by ourselves. So it wasn't intended to alienate, it was just intended really as a whittle and a challenge to them to say, where are you? Because all political parties essentially act from um, you know, their voter and constituent bases in terms of the issues they feel are important and I wanted to put our hand up and say we think this is an important issue that you should be mucking in with. Um, wasn't too concerned um, about what they'd done to date, but was concerned that um, from that point on and in the future we, we heard a lot more from the Māori Party about that. And have you heard from them? Um, we have heard from them, um, and just I uh, got a response back last week. Um, the response wasn't actually sent to me, although the letter was written in my private capacity. It was actually sent to the Runanga and Whānau Apuni, um, almost uh, with the with the underlying message that your lawyer's getting too outspoken. Um, so myself personally, I've just been cc'd a copy of that response, which basically um, was disappointing to say the least. It was full of inaccuracies 
and really relied on the National Party's documents that Jerry Brownlee had released in relation to oil drilling and mining, which was not a stance we expected the Māori Party to be to be supporting by way of um, releasing those documents again. Um, but basically, they've said, you know, uh, we think, you know, it's important the relationship between the Māori Party and Iwi, and we're keen to talk. Um, they have emailed us on the eve of the, as you know, we're up on the far reaches of the east coast, so they emailed it about. One of the officials has emailed at about 7 o'clock at night prior to their caucus meeting the next morning to say, you know, do whānau apunui and Atipuro want to be present to present to the caucus. Um, it's just not realistic or feasible for us to be able to get on a... There's no flights that go from our area with that shorter notice. So uh, we're still a little bit... Um, I guess left a little bit wanting in terms of how serious they are about having dialogue with us because they don't seem to make that feasible or workable. Iwi Ma, if you want to listen to that again, why not podcast, which you can do at this address, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash the ACAR. Think of our webpage whānau as a supplement to what you're hearing now. Often we'll add in extra information about our guests and pictures too. Yeah, Justine. And click onto our Facebook page, become our friend, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And feedback whānau, got any? Email us, tehikaa at radioNZ.co.nz. Next week we meet the 2009 Australian Idol reality series winner, Stan Walker, who just so happens to be from my hometown, Tauranga Moana. Here he is with this week's Whakatauki. He kākano ahau i rūia mai i rangi ātea. I will never be lost, I am a seed born of greatness. To me, these words and these lyrics mean so much to me. Because I'm an Aussie, you know, it doesn't mean I have to disregard who I am and where I come from, but to maintain it and be strong and be proud of who I am, you know, that we as Māori people are born of greatness, we're warriors. Stan Walker, we'll be with him again next week. And I hit a spectacularly miserable morning in Palmerston North to record a training session at Tūtoa, a Māori sports academy. Kua tai anō mātou ki te kapinga a te ahikā ki ngā kai kōrero mō tēnei wiki ki a Hone Harawera, Cowan Jones, Dale Takitimu, ngā mihi. Kia Jack Perkins, he mihi mai oha. Atu i a rātou ki te kai whakahaere tapu-tapu, kia ora rā. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mai te whānau a te ahikā ki a tātou katoa, mauri ora.